listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Now we're going to move into um, the reading of our scripture. So if you would, please stand with me. And after I finish reading, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord and ask you to respond. Thanks be to God. So we are going through the book of 1 Corinthians right now, and so our scripture reading today is 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tracy and Josh. Appreciate you guys. How you guys doing this morning? Yeah. You doing all right? My name is Samir. I have the honor of being one of your pastors here. It's such a joy to be with you. I want to take a moment real quick to just recognize our teams real quick, our leaders and our teams and our, those that volunteer. I mean, let's just give them a hand. Everything that you guys do um, when it comes to serving... Our missional groups, our first impressions team, our hospitality team, our production team, our kids team. We have teams everywhere. Our facilities team. Forgive me if I forget one. Um, but they have just put so much time and effort and love and desire to just serve our community and care for our community. Um, and it continues to grow. Our teams continue to grow. And so if you are interested in wanting to be a part of those teams to help serve our community and as we grow, as we continue to grow, as we continue to reach our community, God is just just doing an amazing work. And so we just thank you guys for putting in the effort to just love God and love one another well. It's just a joy to be with you and to be on an awesome team. Um, last week, we started a real awesome series that we're really excited about. It's a 20-week series. The last week was week one. This is week two. Uh, it's called Aligning with God's Heart. It's a series that we're going through in 1 Corinthians, all right? So aligning with God's heart. Last week, we talked about aligning with God's heart for healthy living, all right? And we did a couple things. We, we looked at how a healthy life is an abundant life in Christ, and, and his word and his wisdom is sufficient to lead us, and we are not meant to do life alone, just kind of giving a recap, spiritual gifts are to empower us for living well, to living a healthy life. And when things go wrong, and I say when things go wrong, that, and things are hurting and things are painful, that we lean on God's strength and faithfulness. And that was last week. And this week, we're excited because Paul is now addressing um, what it looks like to have success in a healthy way. Well, what is healthy success? What does it look like? What does it mean? Um, and, and I'm excited to walk into that. He actually goes through that the end, throughout the end of chapter one all the way through three, chapter three. So that's kind of what we're going to be looking at. Um, and then next week we'll be in chapter four. But let me pray for us as we dive into what healthy success looks like. 
Jesus, we thank you that you are the giver of life. You are the giver of your word. You are the giver of, of goodness and joy. Um, and, and you give us salvation and redemption. And that we get to be here together as your people. Loving you, hearing from you, waiting for you, asking you to teach us, show us, guide us, lead us into your ways, God. So we ask you now, Jesus, um, will you put me aside and will you put you at the forefront, Jesus? Will you put Christ before me, Lord Jesus? You speak now for us, to us, and through God, your people. We love you, Jesus. Empower us and transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a reminder, Paul in 1 Corinthians is writing a letter to the church in Corinth, right? He's writing this letter, and he, they're trying to navigate what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. This is their letter first to him, and this is Paul's letter in response. What does it mean, and what does it look like to be an apprentice of Jesus? And this is interesting because this is an influential and wealthy city that they're coming from, Corinth. It's much like L.A., it was a city with two ports linked from Rome and Asia. And so you can imagine all the, the changing and transitioning and the trading going on created this, this, this hub of diversity, created this hub uh, of growth and this hub of wealth that came across this city. It was a wealthy and up-and-coming town with a lot of young people um, in this area. And so the author, Anthony Thistleton, he writes this about Corinth. He says that, they, that Corinth, they deeply valued competitiveness. This is kind of where the Olympics really started, if you guys didn't know, in Greek, in the Greece towns in these early ancient years. They, they, they valued self-achievement. They valued self-promotion. They valued self-sufficiency, wisdom, knowledge, autonomy, and freedom as their ethos of their city. So, so they were very much striving for success. And, and I don't know about you, but I think we can really relate with Corinth in lots of ways. That, that our mindset and our culture in this society has similar aspirations to the Corinth, the Corinthian church. This high drive for achievement, right? This idea of, of, of reaching a status or, or this self-promotion really like, I mean, we see it on social media, all the social media brag, right? We, we try to post and show self-promotion and show like, look at this, look what I can do, look what I can do. And self-sufficiency, man, buying our own house, that's a big deal, right? You made it if you bought your own house. I'm self-sufficient, I can do it on my own. Wisdom and knowledge, right? The pursuit of high level of education is something that we pursue as well in this city, in this place. Autonomy, with this idea that I can make my own decisions. I can figure it out. Um, and freedom, financially, right? Financially and time. Like we, we value those things as a people. And if we're honest, this is a great descriptor of how many of us today look at success. How many of us today actually pursue success. And the reality is these things are not bad in and of themselves. So I'm not here to condemn those things. But what we're here to say is, is why are we pursuing these things? What's the posture of our hearts in pursuing these things? That's the essential thing that we need to grasp when it comes to healthy success. What drives me to pursue these things? What drives me to pursue these things? And what needs, what needs to die in the midst of my pursuit of these things? 
See, Paul contextualizes their culture as he's addressing this, and he encourages them actually to win. We see that in 1 Corinthians 9. It kind of goes ahead a little bit. He says this. He says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race? He's like putting them back in their context because he knows that they understand that. But only one in this race receives the prize. And then he says this. He says, run in such a way to win the prize. So he's not saying don't, don't seek success. He's saying run to win. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control and everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we in an imperishable crown. So what's he saying? He's saying compete, pursue, win, but for the imperishable crown. For the crown of righteousness. For the crown that's eternal. Not one that is perishable and is only in this world. So there's a clear distinction that Paul is addressing here. He's, a, he's addressing the hearts of the Corinthian people. He's, a, he's addressing their heart, their why. What's their why? Their why has been skewed by society's influence and its infiltration to the church in really unhealthy ways. And this is why he's writing this. Okay, so this is important because if we don't get the context and if we don't know, man, we can actually see ourselves within that context and why he's writing it this way, then we kind of miss the mark. So this is what he's trying to help us grasp. How do we live a life that is pursuant but yet is aligned with the Lord? And so that's what he's trying to get at. So let's go to the passage again today, today's passage in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. And I'm gonna jump around a little bit just to give us continued context as we grasp it more. So verse 26 says this, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. That's huge intro, right? Consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen that what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world that is viewed as nothing to bring nothing, I'm sorry, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. So what, so that no one may boast in his presence, it is from him, Jesus, that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us. Our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that as it is written, that let no one who boasts, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. So Paul is saying, look, check this out. God didn't pick all the prestigious, powerful, educated, noble, and birth royalty to lead the mission of the gospel. He's saying that because he knows the context is that they assume that is how you lead and how you are successful. But he actually purposely and intentionally chose the opposite. He chose the average person, the the one with the regular job and the regular family, so that no one can say that the gospel is powerfully going forward because of these people, because of how good they are and how successful they are. That's not what it means. It's the gospel going forward because of who God is, who Jesus is, what he has done. Jesus himself came in this way as well. He humbled himself in a way and showed us what healthy success is and what it means to walk in that well. 
So my first, my, well not my first, but my big idea going into what we're going into today, the big idea for today is healthy success is redefined in Jesus. I say redefined because within our culture it's defined a certain way. But what does it look like for us as God's people? And Jesus does an amazing job of redefining what that looks like for us here now. Paul is saying that your why of success is polluted. But Jesus came, Jesus came to give us clarity on how to define it. Jesus came for that reason. So one definition, the first one for today of healthy success is this. Healthy success is found, first and foremost, in our gospel identity. Now, what does that mean? Verse 26 says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Consider your calling. He's saying, consider who you are in Christ. Consider who you are in your likeness of Jesus. What's one thing? I ask you guys this, and you guys can answer, okay? It's not a rhetorical question. After you meet someone for the first time and they get to know your name, what's the first thing they ask you? Or one of the first things they ask you? Yes, you guys did it right. So happy. I was like, what are they going to say? I hope it's what I think they're going to say. What do you do? What do you do? When you're trying to get to know someone, right, the, the question that always comes up first is, what do you do? With the assumption that what you do is who you are. That's, that's the question. Like, that's why they ask the question. I want to get to know you. What do you do? And, and that's, that's a sad reality in our culture, in our society, that your doing is who you are. Where in the understanding of our gospel identity, that's not the case. Okay. That is not the case. What we do does not define us. First off, we are defined by our gospel identity. That we are a child of God who has been rescued from the destruction of evil by way of the cross of Jesus. He died on the cross to take on evil and resurrected to prove that evil and death has nothing on him. And that, the beautiful thing about that is that we are now perfectly forgiven holy and righteous because of what Jesus has done. This is who I am. This is where I stand. This is where I come from when it comes to pursuing my next step. Is that I come and I start from a place of victory already. That my pursuit for success is not to become victorious. My pursuit of success is actually from a place of victory. That my identity in the gospel defines why I now pursue what I pursue. That my standing and my foundation is my identity in Jesus, first and foremost. Not because how good or how powerful I am or how good or powerful others view me. This identity grounds me when I understand this. It grounds me and it keeps me from corruption. It keeps me from pursuing for my good. It keeps me from pursuing of stepping on others for the sake of my benefit. When we fully grasp our identity in Jesus. So we must grasp that. And I'm also, right, in my understanding of who I am, I'm a husband and I'm a father and I'm a son before 
I am a pastor or, or a police officer or a firefighter or an artist or whatever it is you do, right? Your doing does not reflect who you are. It's just a part of what you do. See, God has called us to be with him. To be with him. Our being must override our doing. Being is identity. Being is our identity in who Jesus has called us to be. Our culture, unfortunately, looks at it the other way. Our culture worships our doing. Worships doing in general. Right? I don't know if you hear this quote a lot or have heard it around. Is this idea that like, you're one of the hardest working people I know. Right? And in our culture and in our understanding, when we hear that, like, oh, like we prop up, like, oh, that's, that's a huge compliment. Like for me to hear that or for me to give that, that's a huge compliment. But what is that really saying to the person? What it's saying is it's referring to how much they give to their doing. How much they give, how much they sacrifice to the doing of their life. All of their time and energy goes to their doing, and everyone that desires to be with them is waiting for them at home. And so we're actually praising this idea of doing rather than being. And in, gospel, in, in, in the gospel identity, in the understanding of the kingdom, it's reversed. Our being and who we are in Christ is elevated greater than our doing. This is not to say work, not to work hard. This is not to say that we shouldn't do things that, that are effective and good for our people, for our life, for our family. That's not saying, I'm not saying that. Let's work hard, but count the cost of who and what we give up when we work hard. If it's sacrificing things that are actually going towards who we are, then we need to readdress how we work. Does that make sense? Our identity of who we are is the foundation of how and what we pursue in this world. And when we work from that place, our pursuit of success is becoming to get aligned with God's view of success. Let us work in alignment of who and how Jesus has called us to be. The second definition of success in alignment with Jesus is healthy success isn't about power or influence, but humility. Healthy success is not about power or influence, but humility. We see in verse 27, instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Paul is hitting this hard because there are divisions in the body of Christ in Corinth. There's divisions going on. There's, there's conflict. There, there's issues happening. And, and the reason is because the people are putting others on a pedestal. The, the church are putting these leaders and these, these elders in their congregation, in their, in their sphere of influence, they're putting them on a pedestal, they're looking at them, and they're beginning to see division because of who they put on a pedestal. Let's go back and I want to give a context, 1 Corinthians 10. This is why Paul is saying this, because he's saying, he said this first in the letter. He says in verse 10, now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there are, there'll be no more divisions among you, 
and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For verse 11, for it is... For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there are rivalries among you. Verse 12, what I am saying is this, one of you guys are saying, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? He's obviously being sarcastic here. Or were you baptized in Paul's name? This is a huge deal. Their issue of what they viewed success to be is convoluting all the understanding of who they are. They're looking at the people who are, who are knowledgeable and, and understand uh, the, 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 the Bible and the teachers in their area and they're beginning to put them on a pedestal and they're saying, this person is successful. He's, what he's really saying is, do not be deceived by power and influence. Do not be deceived by power and influence. This is a huge deal, and it's a huge issue even in the church today. In our church, not just our church, I'm not saying our church here, but the church as a whole, this is a big deal. There is division, there is strife, there is confusion, all because we put people on a pedestal. And Paul is clearly saying, what are you doing? Who are you worshiping? Who are you exalting? Who have you been baptized in? Who died on the cross? Christ and Christ alone. Let there not be divisions among you. Let there not be divisions among you. See, now having people who, who inspire you because they're good teachers, like, that's fine. But once it becomes divisive, it clearly becomes demonic. So be careful of like who we instill on a pedestal. That's not the point. Christ should be at the forefront and on the, on the throne always and forever. Amen. Always and forever. And this is a big deal. Like at Story City, we're one church with separate locations, but we're one church. That means there's different bodies of, of pastoral leadership. There's local elders. There's a pastor on each location. And, and this can easily become an issue amongst our people if we don't address it from the forefront. There, there could be an easy, unhealthy perspective of like, oh, I like how, they, how he leads and how he, how he uh, teaches and how she does this and how that, and, and it's like, becomes divisive. For what purpose? Because of our personal, you know, desires of, of how we like things. When Paul here is saying, don't let that be. Let Christ be at the forefront. Let unity be in the forefront. Because the reality is we are all just under shepherds. We're all just under shepherds of the greatest shepherd, pastor, and priest, who is our greatest example of what it means to be a servant leader. That's Jesus. Jesus is the one leading the way, and we are just under his leadership. Amen. And what does his leadership look like? I mean, I love John chapter 13, 12, 13, 12 through 17. This is Jesus' leadership on display. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, God in the flesh, coming, and he does this. He says, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? Jesus just washed his disciples' dirty old feet. The leader, 
the king of kings, washing his disciples' feet. Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who had sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Wash each other's feet. That is what it means to be successful in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, I am redefining success. If you think being up here and you're getting your feet washed and you're walking highly and, and, and your chin up and saying, do what I do, do what I say, I'm your boss, he's saying, opposite is true. Be on your knee washing your people's feet. Love them. Humility. It's not power and influence, it's humility that defines what it means to be successful in the kingdom of God. Humility is the greater force over power and influence. Let's keep each other accountable to this. Because it's easy, right? Our, our flesh is weak. It's easy to want this type of influence. But only through the example of Jesus can we walk in this truly. Because even the success that we achieve isn't even ours. It's not. Jesus deserves all the credit. This leads to our third definition and our final definition of what healthy success looks like. Healthy success is inherited in Jesus' success. That means our success is only derived by what he has already done. Only. Verse 29, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us. He's the one that became wisdom. Our righteousness is because of him. Our sanctification is because of him. And our redemption is because of him. Right, I'm adding things there, but that's what he's saying here. In order that, as it is written, let no one who boasts I'm sorry, let the one who boasts, boast only in the Lord. Don't forget, he's saying, don't forget that everything you have is from the Lord from the, in the first place. It's all his. The best success is inherited and always aligned with Jesus' purpose and outcome. The person and work of Jesus is 100% defines what it means to be successful in this world. So even Paul, I love, he says in Philippians, he gives a real quick example of even like what it practically looks like to walk in that. What, what does it look like to walk in Jesus' example of success? In Philippians 2, 5 through 11, he says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. I mean, I know he's saying this as if it's easy, right? But this is what he's wanting us to, to understand, that Jesus gives us this example of what it means to walk in a healthy way of success. Who existing, verse six, in the form of God, he did not consider himself, consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Even his power he didn't exploit. Verse 7, instead he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him 
and gave him in the name above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. He emptied himself as a servant leader, abiding in his father and learning and understanding that his purpose was even gonna go to the point of dying on the cross. Through that, he became exalted and given power and influence because of his humility. It's not the opposite. His humility. Healthy success is directly tied to God's purpose and outcomes. I don't know if you've ever had an experience in your life where like, man, I, I missed the mark on that one. But I remember um, a, a moment in my life where right after we dissolved the church plant in North, in North Hills at the end of 2020, there came a moment in my journey where I was, I was a little confused. Like, what's next? Like, how, what do I do now? Like, how do I take care of my family? And I, you know, I, I got scared. I, I got confused and I was concerned of what could happen next. And so I began to pursue a business opportunity that in the, the, the view of the world and the view of the practical understanding of how business works, like, this was a good idea, right? This was something that would work and this is something that makes a lot of sense. Um, and this opportunity came, the numbers made sense, the location made sense, the time made sense, but I didn't pause enough to, to ask the Lord what he wanted or desired for me. Like, even if it made sense to the world, like, I didn't align my heart with what God wanted. And ultimately, it didn't end up working, right? It was, it was kind of harmful for us financially, but, but, but because of that, I learned so much, it didn't end up working because I didn't abide in his presence and his purpose and outcome for us as a family. I allowed my fear and my pain to make a rash and impulsive decision to pursue success rather than abiding in the rest of who I am in Jesus and humble myself and embrace what he has already done for me Amen. and wait and wait on him and ask him. God's purpose and outcome of success doesn't usually look like what we think it should look like. But how do I know how to pursue healthy success? And I think that's a question that so, much, so, much, so many of us have. Like God does desire us to pursue these things. He desires us to walk in that. But as we learn what it means practically, I just want to give some things that I've learned and I think maybe would help you, maybe it will help us all. But these are four things that we can practically think of. It's not up there. It's something I wrote down. I was just like, hmm, this could be helpful. The first one is just know God's will and purpose for his kingdom essentially is all things that we are to do as his people are to bring him glory. Amen. So the point is, is, is what I am pursuing going to bring him glory? Like if, if I'm gonna be choosing to do something, if it's misaligned with who God is, and, and is it gonna harm people's understanding of who God is, then, then likelihood is that it's not a good idea to pursue it. Right? Is it aligned with God's desire? Second one, having a humble servant leader posture. Like, like, Lord, I am yours. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to be here. I'm willing to understand. I'm willing to learn. Having that posture is essential. Amen. Third one, what burdens and passions has God given you? Like, he's given all of us a burden and a passion for something, and it's good. 
And what does that look like? How do I understand it? And understanding and praying about what that is. And then what gift and talents has God given me to steward? So aligning all those four things, like understanding my gifts and talents, my passions and my burdens, having a humble heart and a servant leadership posture in order to serve and love others, and then aligning my, my desires and my purpose with glorifying God. Like in lots of, if we put that little formula together, most likely like we're walking in a healthy posture of success and what that means and looks like. I really think that's what Paul is trying to help us grasp here. This is kind of a closing, putting it all together, putting it in a bow. Healthy success isn't on the backs of others, but it's in the service of others. It's not trying to walk on people, it's not trying to pursue the most things possible, but God gives as he desires to give. And as we align our hearts with his heart, he begins to make it clear. So healthy success is first and foremost found in our gospel identity. Jesus has done it, We have walked under his understanding of what he has done and we receive the righteousness, the holiness, the forgiveness that only he can give and our posture now is victorious and we live and walk in that, that way. That's first and foremost, that's the foundation of where we walk from. The second one is healthy success isn't about power or influence but humility. We hit that one pretty hard. Being humble just like Jesus did as he washed his disciples' feet. And third, healthy success is inherited in Jesus' success. He will do it. He will guide us. He will lead us. He has done it already, and he will do it again. He will continue to grow out the success of what it means to walk in him in your life as we align our hearts to his. He will make that possible. So as Jesus is our example, may we abide in him in our pursuit of success. As a people and as a church, may he be glorified in everything that we do. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your heart for success, that you have called us to be a people who love you, to be a people who pursue you, to be a people who pursue and understand our calling, our our identity in you, God, and that you've called us to pursue things not for our sake, not for our glory, but for yours, Jesus, that that you've given us a passion, you've given us a burden, you've given us a gift so that we may use it and use it well for your glory and for your kingdom expansion, Lord. And will you give us wisdom, will you give us patience, and will you give us alignment with your heart on what that means what that means for us as an individual for our families for our people for our, for our surroundings lord but also lord for our church for our congregation for our people as a whole god will you align our hearts with yours as we seek you as we pursue you as we align our hearts with what it means to be successful to you jesus and may you be ultimately glorified in all that we do in jesus name amen, amen. thank you for joining us for this week's message If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.